Hello, friends. My name's Tammy Simon, and I'm the founder of Sounds True, and I want to welcome you to the Sounds True podcast, Insights at the Edge. I also want to take a moment to introduce you to Sounds True's new membership community and digital platform. It's called Sounds True One. Sounds True One features original, premium, transformational docu-series, community events, classes to start your day and relax in the evening, special weekly live shows, including a video version of Insights at the Edge with an after-show community question and answer session with featured guests. I hope you'll come join us, explore, come have fun with us, and connect with others. You can learn more at join.soundstrue.com. I also want to take a moment and introduce you to the Sounds True Foundation, our nonprofit that creates equitable access to transformational tools and teachings. You can learn more at soundstruefoundation.org. And in advance, thank you for your support. Let me tell you just a little bit about Lorna. She was born in Dublin and relates that she has seen angels since she was a baby. We're going to be talking about that, what it's like to enter into the world, I'll call it the spirit world, the spirit sensitive world that Lorna lives in. Lorna has written seven best-selling books, including Angels in My Hair, A Message of Hope from the Angels, and Angels at My Fingertips. Her work has been published in more than 50 countries and in 30 languages worldwide. And this is particularly remarkable, and we'll hear more about this, as Lorna herself is dyslexic. She never learned formally how to read and write, and all of these books were created through her voicing the words that then became printed in the books. Lorna is also a peace ambassador and a philanthropist. She founded the Lorna Byrne Children's Foundation and also a foundation called the Seraph Foundation, which is developing a sanctuary in Ireland for people of all backgrounds and beliefs to come together and develop and evolve spiritually. Lorna, welcome. Um, I, I thank you so much for, for having me here. And I say welcome to all of your audience as well. And I, I hope they get inspired spiritually while, while we chat and, and talk together. And as promised, I want to begin by entering your world. I think most of us live in predominantly a physical world or maybe a mental world, an emotional world, but we don't necessarily live with what we might call spiritual sight. So tell me what it's like inside you being Lorna Byrne. What do you see, feel, sense when you, like right now, right here in this conversation? Well, right here now in this conversation, I'm just saying to myself, you know, I can't see your guardian angel because we're on screen. That very rarely happens. But I know if we were in the same room together, I would and and probably see other angels or maybe souls of loved ones in, in and around you as well. 
to me, it's normal. I, I don't know anything else in that in that way. When I see people out on the street or, or someone passing my house, um, I see the angels with them as well. Um, and, and that's normal for me. I, I find it hard to understand what it's like for you only seeing people. You know, to me, that's how how come they can only see people? Why can't everyone spiritually see as I see? And I know I'm seeing through the eyes of my soul as well, as well as my human human eyes. But I, I do find it hard living in the human world. I all I always did. I find humanly it hard to understand human beings. And I hope that's that's helping you. It's um, it's like you know, from the moment I always say, from the moment I open my eyes as an infant in the cot, you know, seeing angels but not knowing they were angels, you know, and trying to reach up and and touch them to play. And um, it was only when maybe I was about two and a half or three, roughly. I can never guess exactly when. I was playing with my brother in front of the fire and he's he's he had his back to the fire and the fire was blazing and and he said you know the fire doesn't bother him so we were playing with little blocks my dad had made little wooden blocks and it was when our hands touched that was the most exciting time when our hands touched it was like as if his hand went into mine or mine went into his and it all sparkled. And and I I know I laughed because I felt such joy and such love, you know, but it was at that moment the angels that were around us told me that my brother, who I, I believe my mom and dad could see him, I, I didn't realize he wasn't flesh and blood, you know, um, that he had died before I was born and that I must keep it a secret. I mustn't um, let anyone know that I see them or, or see the soul of my brother, you know. Um, and they were always reminding me of that. And at times, you know, I still see him today. You know, I still, I still, still see my brother today. But at times when I was little and living in Old Kamenum with my parents, um, my mom would be asleep in this big, huge chair in front of the fire. You know, she'd just fall asleep. And then I would see my brother asleep in her arms, but he'd only be an infant. And, and you have to remember, you know, I was so young, I didn't question anything. To me, that's that's normal. You know, it's 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 so normal. Um and I suppose I wouldn't change my life for anything, you know. Um and even when when um you know I got older, you know, they have taught me everything spiritually out in nature. You know, I I could go across the mountains and I'd come back safe. And they would be teaching me how to see. I think spiritually people have forgotten how to see. People only look at everything. You know, I, I've often had people with me and, you know, just maybe a small group and, you know, teach them how to see. 
and not just to look because we we look but we're not taking in everything we actually see and I think it is that God and the angels just taught me how to see like every day I was at school you know with them every single day 24 hours a day probably even when when I'm sleeping and I know it's the connection to my soul, that spark of light of God, you know, that, and that's extremely powerful. You know, we, we don't realize, you know, how, how would I say that intertwining happen, you know, between the human being and the soul, if we let it happen more, um, you would be able to see then all I see. There's yeah. so much. Lorna, in what you've already said. <laughs> said, there's so much in what you've said, because I think for a lot of people who have lost loved ones, the thought, the potential that they could connect with their loved one in any kind of ongoing way is a huge uh, longing that they have, and also a whole lot of disbelief. So here where you're talking about your little brother and you're saying that you still have a relationship with him, help us understand in, in the world of Lorna Byrne, what happens when people die? Where do they go? Is your little brother still young? Did he grow and evolve? Did he, why didn't he cross over? Did he cross over? And you're meeting with his spirit. How do you see this? Um I suppose maybe that's a lot you've said there. In, yes, in, I have. Sorry, I'm just trying to um, get out. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, my my little brother, he died at 10 weeks and, and he did pass over. That's that's the incredible thing. You know, every soul does pass over. In, and I know humanly we, we use that word. It's like the soul becomes free from the human body. and I, I know I use the word heaven because that's the word that's used humanly, you know, in that in that way. But your loved one, what I say to every parent, you know, and anyone who has lost a loved one, you know, they're not dead. You're they, you know, I, I don't know why or when, in a sense, God fell in love with us and gave us that tiny little spark of light of itself, you know. And I don't know when that that happened, but because that happened, that's the spiritual part of us. We as human beings kind of say the human part and the spiritual part, we're keeping them separate. It's like, let them come together, let them intertwine, you know, and, and I know like the soul of a, a loved one and depending on how close you were with them in every way, you sent them when they're in and around you. You feel their presence, but you deny it because the world has been telling people for centuries, you know, you're crazy, you're mad, you know, in that in that way. But you do sense your loved one. I hear from so many people who would say, you know, that smell came into the house for a moment. I, I know my child was in and around me, you know, the, the toy that has been missing for so long appeared and that's the soul of your child letting you letting you know like it was when I told my mom after angels in my hair was written and and published 
you know, she she cried and she said, you know, I wish she had known that because he died at 10 weeks. And, you know, she she was told negative things from from the church as such, which was so sad, you know, because her child was so young. And even though he had got christened, it was like, you know, you're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Forget about it. You know, um, it never happened. And and I suppose way back then in Ireland, um, he was buried in, in what was called, you know, the baby's um, burial ground. And, and that means loads of babies were children were buried there. You know, there wasn't something individually that you could go to. It's unmarked in that in that way. And she she just said even, you know, aunts and neighbors and all, nobody ever talks about a loved one that we have lost. Um, and, and we should because they're not dead. We just miss the human touch. But everyone will see their loved one when, when your time comes. But let that not be for a long, long time because human life is precious. But you have a soul. It's like, you know, it's like acknowledging that spark of light that's inside you, that fills every part of you and yet is, you know, out there as well in that in that way. Um, and I know my voice is going a bit funny, so forgive, forgive that. But it's like, you know, it's to become conscious that you have a soul, become conscious that you have a guardian angel. You may call your guardian angel something else, but it's the one angel that is the gatekeeper of your soul and never, never leaves you. You know, and at the moment of death, what I what I have seen so many times, you know, even at a road accident, you know, the guardian angel, it's like, how can I describe it? I know when I say reach into the human body, that's not really it. But it's like the guardian angel straight away at that very, very moment, you know everything spiritually. You, if you never believed you had a soul or you never believed in angels or God or, you know, or anything, you know, at that very second, you know, um, when your human body dies, that, you know, you are a spiritual being, you know everything. And I know that is incredible, but why don't we as human beings start to accept before that happens and discover so much more, you know, start to be able to see and even to be able to see the soul of, of a loved one, even your your child, like like my mom had said, sometimes when just as she would wake in that chair, she would feel there was something in her arms. You know, it's it's to to acknowledge it and I think spiritually we're still very afraid and yet we're so open we're so hungry we're so thirsty we want to know more and maybe I shouldn't say any more and let you say something now there's so much to talk about Lorna and a couple times you've pointed to this idea that as humans we can further quote-unquote intertwine 
with our soul nature. How do we do that from your perspective? Um, to me, it's very simple, but I, I think humanly, we, we think it's a huge process. And, and what makes it so simple is it is actually just starting to acknowledge, you know, um, and casting away fear and doubt. It's like, you know, you, you don't love yourself, you know, because you've been maybe told from the time you were a child, you know, that's not good enough. You know, you've been run down maybe in your job. You're, you've been told you, you know, nothing will happen for you, you know, through friends and family. So we lose that connection with our soul because we, in, in a sense, we're not loving ourselves. And to me, the only way I, I can say is that, you know, acknowledge you have a soul and realize that your soul is pure love. You know, it can't be contaminated. The world has been telling you for I don't know how long that your soul can be contaminated. It can't, you know, and it's like reach in and in a sense, allow yourself to touch it and know that you're pure love. And know in a sense that, how would I say say this? Um, love yourself. I often tell people, you know, go and give yourself a hug and say, well done. Don't try to be someone else because you are unique and perfect. You are who you are meant to be. You know, like I'm severely dyslexic. I was an outcast, you know, humanly, but not by the angels. I've had incredible teachers. You know, they have taught me everything I know. And even today, don't give me a book to read. I can't read it you know, you're wasting your time, or, you know, or say, here, do do this. I can't. I never try. One thing God and the angels taught me is never to try to be anyone else, just be you. And love is, love is a huge part of the word we use, spirituality, of that intertwining, you know, of the body and soul coming together. I just say like a plat in that in that way and the most incredible thing is when we allow that to happen and, and please god this generation is starting to allow that to happen a time will come when you won't grow old a time will come when you won't get sick you know um, and a time will come when you will look at the children of the world and even at, at yourself and you will be able to do incredible things that at the moment the world is telling you is impossible. You know, and what I would say to you, nothing is impossible. You know, no matter what, what you're told. Like, I remember when angels in my hair came out, you know, I had so many young people coming to book signings, you know, saying, you know, you have given us great courage. You you have opened us up. You know, if you can do it. And they would ask, but how have you done it? And again, that's maybe we use the word faith, allowing that intertwining to happen and just going down the road. I don't plan anything. 
well, other people now have to say plan things like like this interview with you, but I don't plan my life. I don't say what's my destiny, what's my purpose. Those words are alien to me. I don't understand them why human beings say that. I just go down the road and I I just how would you say it? Say let it open. And I I could be heading towards, let's say, this wonderful thing that looks so wonderful. And then all of a sudden I'm I'm told to turn. And that doesn't bother me. I turn. You know, I, I don't say I have failed or I'm disappointed. Why can't I go forward towards what I was seeing? Um, I know I, I find it hard to explain, but it's like letting that intertwining happen between the human being and the soul. You know, it's so important. You know, I, I have talked about in some of the books, some of the futures I have seen you know, for mankind's negative ones and, and positive ones. And I know we can do it. It's like we overcome all the negative ones eventually. I'd love us to overcome them a bit quicker in that in that way. But the positive ones, it's not just one incredible future. It's like a, a whole load of, of incredible futures coming together for mankind of that intertwining you know where in one of the books i have explained that you know the children cross the river without a bridge you know um and i smile at that because their feet don't touch the water and it's a big river you know what i mean it's you know it was just so incredible but that was because of the intertwining it was we discover we don't need all the material things that we believe we need we need now in that in that way and because of that intertwining happening and we healing in so many different ways and the other thing i loved was you know these children were seeing and the adults more than i see myself you know, and I was getting a glimpse of some of what they were seeing, and I couldn't describe it. We we think humanly that we have discovered so much. And in a sense, we're kind of thinking in a way, well, what else do we have to learn? Um, but loads, because I see loads, like... Mm. Um, now, now, Lauren, I need to ask you a question at this point, because oh, you said when it comes to this intertwining that we need to put aside our fear and our doubt. And I'm sure you've heard all kinds of doubt and yes. all <laughs> kinds of skepticism from all kinds of people. But I noticed I was sort of with you and I was tuning into this pure love. And then when you said, the vision and the future of children walking across a long river without a bridge. I was like, oh, come on. I know. I, I can't, I can't get, I can't go that far. I can't go that far. They need a physical bridge to yeah. walk across the river. What world are we in? What world's Lorna in? She's seeing these images, their fantasy images. So how do we work with whatever level, what, at whatever point in this conversation, the listeners doubt 
is triggered, maybe from the first five seconds, or maybe, you know, with me yeah. and the children over the river, like, how do we work with our own doubt? I, I think one of the things that that everyone has to say to themselves, you know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. By giving yourself the chance to 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 discover, to to believe no matter where you are in life, you know, um, and that's a hard one because millions of people have doubts, as you say, and and they would say, oh, you're crazy. That's silly. Um, but I have met many scientists, you know, over the years, and they would come to me and they would say, Lorna, we've read your books and maybe you'll even found this doubtful because now that I think of it, they would say to me, you're right. But I don't know what they were seeing in the books. And, and they would say, you know, we can't say anything because we would lose our credibility. But I always remember one scientist saying, saying to me, Lorna, if, if, if another scientist turns around and says to you, you know, that's impossible, you know, then that scientist is not a scientist because everything is possible. It's a huge question I can't answer in that way. I think it's, it's a step every human being takes, you know, and what, what would I say? At the moment, I, I am working with a scientist and he's we're kind of co-writing together about his theories of what he understands now on the spiritual side and and what he believes what I'm seeing in that in that way and that communication but I I was explaining to him you know why can't everyone see everything I see why can't people see I know you probably find this hard to believe what's actually around you you know the air the atmosphere why can't you and I remember one day describing some of the things I was seeing. And, you know, lately he came along and said to me, you know, Lorna, NASA has proven that just now. Has proven what? What were um, you seeing that you described? Some that? of the things I was seeing, like, um, what would I say? It's stardust and, and the way the air moves and all that's in it. It's not just, it's not just air. Um, there's so many particles there, not just from our planet, but from outside our planet that are still coming coming in in that in that way, um, which actually has made it very interesting to me to realize that science is discovering more in that in that way. But the only thing they haven't realized really is that, you know, the ordinary person can see these things. And I, I suppose that's what I want to help is to teach people that, teach mm -hmm. them how to start to see. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know I did have a group of, of people from America there a while ago, and the weather was cold here in Ireland, and I was teaching them how to see and not to, not to look. And they found it amazing I just brought them out into the garden you know and I asked them to pick something and I I stood with them and worked with them and told them not just to look but to see 
and it took them it took them a while and then suddenly one by one they started to see something that they never realized or never noticed it was like as if the flower the leaf or the stone you know became more visible became more translucent became more full of light you know in a sense i always remember one lady saying this is alive i can see it's alive you know in that in that way but children are great i often watch children sometimes when i'm out walking especially in the summertime and they're out with their parents and they're looking at something but i know they're seeing you know because of what i see them do with the plants sometimes you would see a child you know blow in the direction they're close to something and they would be blowing and i would see the energy of the plant moving the colors changing and sometimes i would notice that the child will you know give a little giggle you know in that way and then run off because a young child it's natural it's only when you know adults come along and change that and tell them you know sorry child you only imagined that mm-hmm. in that in that way yeah i would have lots of people that would say i'm crazy but you know it doesn't matter when you when you help someone or you change someone's life for the better or you give them hope you know um you give them belief in mankind again you know that they want to become conscious of their soul and they want that love you know they they want to feel that love of their soul you know and and they want to share it and the one thing i love about our soul it's it is pure love it's that light it's pure love but you you could i'd say imagine you know a jug full of milk you know because it's white um and you're pouring it out and then when you lift it back up again it's still full to the brim you can never you know we're we're kind of afraid you know to allow that love out from our soul we kind of in a sense keep it imprisoned because the human part of us tell us it's wrong you know you will get hurt you know you can't love that person you can't be kind to that person you can't have have empathy like nowadays we're in schools now all over the world i have to smile you know we may not call it spirituality we may not use those words but now in schools we're starting to teach children about love about compassion about hope about you know that empathy for each other and they're things you can't buy they're part of the spiritual side of us they're not for sale and in a sense it's like we we became hard and cold because we humanly believed that it was all about the material things but you can have all the material things in the world and be sad and depressed and feeling you know life is not worth living because 
you feel no one loves you or cares for you in any way um, or, or you haven't been shown love from the time you were a child in, in the way that you you feel you should be so you haven't allowed yourself to show that love and compassion and it, it could be just you know that smile you give someone you know you don't know that when you're out walking or you're opening a door and you smile at someone you may have just saved their life you know spiritually because you smiled you gave them hope you know um, I better not keep talking. <laughs> you say something. Yes. Well, th there is quite a lot actually I'd like to talk with you about. But one thing I'd like to know is if you were to describe to me what this pure love feels like in your experience. What does oh. it feel like? Give me words for it. Um, I'm going to have to um, search for, for words. Um, it's. I don't find it overwhelming anymore. You know, it's like I have learned how to, um, what would you say? I don't know whether you say soak it up, you know, and allow it to be part of me in that, in that way. And I just give it out because I know there is no end to it, you know, and and to me, if if letting the love of my soul free, taking those chains that humanly we put around our soul away and allow ourselves, it's like it's it's hard to describe. Um, but you're a different person. You know, maybe if I was educated by the world, you by human beings. I would be different, but I wasn't. And from the very beginning, one thing the Jones would always say, and I, I understand the words, but I find it hard to put that emotion that you're asking for it, that explanation, you know, they would say to me, they know no better. And in them saying that to me actually just makes me love more. You know, I, I don't put barriers up. I, I don't um say that person is not worth it. You don't help them because of whatever it is. You know, I, I can't do that. It's like that's gone from me humanly. Um, I can only love every human being and, and I don't care, you know, what someone else might say about them in the world. I it, It's like... I don't know what you're talking about because I see this beautiful, incredible human being, no matter what they may have done or you think they have done. I see the guardian angel there with them physically and I see the light of their soul. You know, um, and all this I can do is reach out and, and help them and help them to live. You know, because life is so, so precious. Um, it's very hard to explain. Um, and because I'm dyslexic, I can't all the time use words that might explain something in more depth in that, in that way, because sometimes words are hard to come out. If you yeah, know well, I mean. you're, 
you're doing yeah. a great job, not just in words, but I can uh, feel from your presence and I am uh, soaking that up. Now, uh, one of the things, uh, Lorna, that you're well known for is teaching that each one of us, and you've mentioned this, has a guardian angel. So let's say somebody's listening and what comes up for them is a big fat question mark. Maybe, yeah. maybe I have a guardian angel. I'm not sure. How would you suggest that we each discover this potentially for ourselves? Well, again, I, I would say very simple, you know, give yourself a chance, you know, don't straight away, you know, say, say no, because your guardian angel is there to, to give you guidance, to help you as much as possible, to have other angels in around you at different times, and even the souls of loved ones as well, you know, um, so I always say, say to people, you know, Lots of people, some people would say to me, um, I had a lady there back a while ago. What was she telling me? Oh, yes. Um, she she was saying, Lorna, I really needed to talk to you because I'm full of anxiety and I, I don't believe I have a guardian angel. My guardian angel, if it's there, has never helped me, has never given me strength or hope. And... I listened to her saying all of that. And I, I, I told her, well, I love you. You know, you are loved, you know, and your guardian angel loves you. And, and your soul is pure love. And she said, but that's no good to me because I've, I just don't feel the presence of my guardian angel. I don't believe it. Um, I have even asked my guardian angel to give me a sign and my guardian angel has never. And I just smiled at her because she was after getting the biggest sign, but she didn't realize it. Um, and that was that, you know, we have thousands of people coming in and asking to talk to me for a few minutes, you know, or 20 minutes or a half an hour. And my daughter just picks them randomly. And she was picked. What a bigger sign do you need than that? You know, and it was like as if all of a sudden she realized for the first time. And I would say to people, you know, just ask your guardian angel to, to help you and see how you get through the day. Every time you are having a difficulty or you're feeling nervous or anxious, just ask it to help to give you that strength, to give you that courage to Turn whatever fear you have into strength and ask your guardian angel for a sign as well, you know, um, and something simple, like sometimes somebody would say to me, I have asked for, you know, to win the lotto or, you know, some big, huge prize. And they would say it has never happened. But I always say maybe ask for a flower or a feather, something small, or maybe ask for, you know, Someone that you have been maybe thinking of that has been in your mind, maybe they stopped talking to you for some reason, you fell out with them. And maybe now you would like, you know, to say hello. You know, you can ask for, for that as well. And I often hear from people that that often happens. You know, the person gives them a call. 
you know, or sends them a card out of the blue, something, or they bump into them in the street somewhere or in another country in that, in that way. And again, it's like believing in your soul. You know, it's like giving yourself that hope, that chance, you know, and say, and even ask your guardian angel, you know, what's its name? What is its name? You know, and a guardian angel's name, like all angels, their name is so long. They have shown me it's like, to me, it's like hundreds and hundreds of letters. So you could never say the word at all. And it could be your guardian angel could give you something very, very simple. But a lot of times adults feel the name that they have received is not what would you say, big enough or not exciting enough? Like I always remember um, a man that seemingly he had come to many of my my talks. And at this talk, he, he said, you know, he was up at the back of the audience and he said, Lorna, you know, I've been asking my guardian angel. I believe I have a guardian angel. I have got signs, but I have been asking for the last five years for my guardian angel's name. And it never gives me a name. The answer is no all the time. You know, and I just have to smile at him. Your guardian angel gave the name from the very, very beginning. What do you think that was? No. You know, but because it wasn't something that he expected, mm -hmm. um, it was hard for him to grasp it. Mm -hmm. But that day he did grasp it and, 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 he, and he said, you know, how could I have missed that? You know, mm -hmm. why, why did I, I miss it? You know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a name as a name we know. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. We know that practicing mindfulness can help reduce stress and cultivate deep embodied well-being. But what about its value in dealing with physical pain and suffering? John Kabat-Zinn's new book, Mindfulness Meditation for Pain Relief, guides us through a series of evidence-based practices that anyone can apply gently and effectively to address even the most intense forms of pain. This supportive guide, filled with soothing images, includes instruction in mindful breathing, working with intense sensations, and befriending thoughts and emotions. For those of us tired of suffering from the challenges that chronic pain presents to living a full and appreciative life, this book is a welcome guide. You can find Mindfulness Meditation for Pain Relief at SoundsTrue.com or anywhere books are sold. Now, Lorna, you've mentioned that when you encounter people or you see someone on the street in physical, in the physical world, you see their guardian angel with all people without Question, what are you seeing? Small, big, colorful, behind them, in front of them, all over the place? Um, what, what I'm seeing, I, I suppose I better explain to you. When I was a child, 
I used to find it, you know, a bit much in that way, seeing a guardian angel in its full glory, as I call it, giving its full appearance um, and other angels in, in and around at the same time. Um, so they they changed it in that I would just see the light of the guardian angel, but not see the physical appearance unless there was something amiss. You know, and then I would, it's like angels are light, but then within that light, the angel would give an appearance. Um, and angels are neither male nor female. And that's one thing I, I, I love about them. You know, um, an angel, a guardian angel can give a female appearance. And I, I could meet my friend again a few months later. And this day it's giving a male appearance that has opened up because of something that that is wrong to, to tell me. But I would never tell the person that I know because you have to be very careful and very, very gentle. I always remember when on more than one occasion, you know, well, one of, I I remember particularly, um, which moved me so much was a little girl with um, her parents and her mom and dad, you know, one was holding one hand of the daughter and their daughter was in the middle and, you know, they were having fun going down the street and I could see the light of the guardian angel behind each of them. And then suddenly the light of the guardian angel behind the little girl opened up. And I was being told at that moment to, to pray and to ask, not just for the little girl, but for mom and dad as well. I was told the little girl was actually sick, you know, and God might be taking her home to heaven. And I always remember just that love. It was like the love of our guardian angel, but the love of the parents as well. You know, they were so open spiritually to, you know, how would I say it? You know, their love was touching their little girl. It was very hard to, to describe. Um, and even though I was on a bus and it had slowed down and, and they were passing, you know, and the windows were closed and there was people talking on the bus. But I, I could hear the parents' voices talking to their little girl and, and she laughing. I, I don't know whether God granted her the gift of life, but even today, I still pray for her, you know, in that way. Because when you think of something beautiful, it's a prayer as well. You know, um, yeah, sometimes it's hard when I'm shown something, you know, when I'm asked to to pray or to pass them by or in a sense, you know, to sit down um, or to say hello. And that has happened millions of times. You know, I might be, you know, out shopping, you know, getting a few groceries and, you know, the angels tell me, Lorna, don't go home yet just go for a walk up the road and they might say, sit down. And then all of a sudden someone comes and sits beside me. You know, it could be a family. Um, and it's like God and the angels allow a reaction to happen 
like I could tell you many stories. One story I am allowed to tell, and that's because I got permission from the parents, is um, about Noah. And I have told it so many times. And Noah was a child of the age, I think he was 11, going on 12 at the time. And I was in Germany doing a, a talk. You know, I was on tour and the hall was full. I think there were 700 people there or more. And I see this, this young boy walk in with his mom and another person. And straight away, I said, oh, God, I need to go over to him. You know, and I was told, no, ignore. And and I was, because of what I saw, I was a bit shocked that God had said, ignore. The angel said, ignore. But when the talk, I, I gave the talk, the interview, and then it came to questions and answers. And, you know, loads of people asked questions and I answered them. And then suddenly this little boy stood up. And everything changed. You could have heard a pin drop. You you couldn't even hear anyone, you know, clear their throat. No one sneezed, no one coughed. Not even a, a piece of paper ruffled or anything like that. Because when he stood up, it's like all, the whole audience had eyes on him. And it was like as if for the first time they see this child. And how they didn't see him before to me is a miracle because this child was wired up he was connected to a machine you know he had this kind of special how would you call it like it looked like wire hat but I don't think it was with things connected and he had a tube in him as well and he stood there and he just said Lorna I want to tell you my guardian angel is my best friend and I knew then, you know, he would have something else. But but he said, um, I have no question. And then he said, um, Lorna, could you ask God for the gift of life? And it was like as if even the stillness and the silence and the love that was in that room, you know, even grew more because it was like, as, you know, the whole audience suddenly realized this child doesn't have the gift of life, but they have. I think that's something we all forget, you know, that we have the gift of life. And of course, this young boy and his whole family, you know, spent time with us. That's what I do as well. I don't advertise it. Um, but I remember the parents telling me on umpteen occasions, you know, the doctors didn't realize or couldn't figure out how this young boy got an extra two years and he had a great time. And of course, I give out to God for taking him home to heaven. But in the sanctuary in here in Thomastown, we have this beautiful tree that had all this ivy out of it. You know, um, we had taken a photograph of Noah swinging out of the ivy around the tree just enjoying himself and just seeing that joy and that love and now we call that tree Noah's tree it's in honor of Noah um you know so there's there's 
you know, it's it's to love and see where you can help, see where you don't judge. You know, we need to stop judging. We need to allow that love that we have locked away inside of us, our soul, allow it to be free, allow us to intertwine the human body and the soul and become the most incredible spiritual beings that we are, you know, partly human and partly spiritual, not having the human here and the spiritual here. Let's come together. One of the questions I have for you about our relationship, whether it's to our guardian angel or just angels in general, is you write about how we can ask for help, how they want to help us. They're standing by, ready to go. They just need... And yet it seems sometimes angels swoop in and help us, whether we ask or not. And other times we ask and we don't get any help. It seems that way from the outside, from my experience, at least. You know, I mean, I've heard some incredible stories from people who didn't ask for any help, but whose lives seem to be saved. Some angelic force took the steering wheel, something like that. I've heard stories people tell them. Yeah. And I think that's, a, and then I've heard other stories from people who have prayed so hard and nothing came, nothing. And so I'm curious what your view is of this. Um, what way will I put, put that? Um, the thing is, we, we have to remember, we, well, you don't have to remember it. That's your choice. That's your free will. Um, but you are a human being and a spiritual being. And at the moment of conception, you know, the soul came at that moment. And so did your guardian angel. Um, and I, I know lots of people would say, you know, they never asked. But I know we do ask spiritually, you know, when we are born, because a baby is pure love. It hasn't been contaminated in any way. And we have to, you know, like I ask for millions of people around the world. I pray and ask for the help for millions of people that I don't even know. I don't even know their names. That's why I would say to people, you know, you can pray and ask for your family and your friends and those you know, but would you do it for a stranger as well? You know, so I, I believe that that's what is happening all of the time. You know, someone is already asking on behalf. And I know then you you have where people say, I've been praying and I've been praying all the time and, and nothing has changed. And that can be hard to understand. But it's like, you know, one student said to me one day, Lorna, I've been praying to my guardian angel and, and telling my guardian angel. And I, I and, and they were saying as well, I believe my guardian angel will let me pass my exams, you know. And I smiled at, at this young lady um, on this particular occasion. And I said, you have to remember one thing as well. You've got to do your work. Your guardian angel will help you, but you have to do your work. So I, I think sometimes what happens is, you know, someone is praying and asking, but they're not taking action as well. You know, how can your guardian angel get a door to open for you if you're not out there asking for help as well? You know, if if nobody knows. And then some people would say to me, 
you know, they prayed and prayed and asked, you know, for something to be sorted, you know, that there were some trauma they were going through or the whole family were going through. And they prayed and asked, you know, what they believed they wanted and needed. And then they would tell me, well, that was 10 years ago, but I'm glad I didn't get it because where I am now is a million times better. So I, I think it's kind of, I often say to God, you know, you know, it's like throwing the balls up in the air and catching them in, in your hands, you know, and getting the balance in, in your life. But I do believe every prayer is answered and, and we're helped constantly. We just might not recognize it at the time. But if we think back, because that would be something I would do with people as well, to think back, be silent and think back of different situations in your life and recognize where in those situations you were helped, you know, and it's amazing the way people and even those that would say they were never helped, they come up with, you know, oh, I was helped. It's like, you know, when you're in a situation and you're praying and asking, sometimes it's hard for you to see, you know, so... I would just say, yes, you are helped, even when you think you are not being helped. I'd have to, I'd have to say that because I pray and I ask for so many people. And even during the pandemic here, you know, I remember a young, a young man, pretty young, maybe he was only 14 at the time. And, you know, Sometimes I would see him passing my house, you know, and I'd see sometimes the light of his guardian angel opened up and his guardian angel would tell me that he's trying, but not really trying hard enough. How can we help him? You know, and then when the pandemic came, he changed in, in the sense of he started walking with his friends, you know, and he started to get fitter and healthier. And I, I know that it's it's bad to say the pandemic, you know, caused this, this change. But maybe he somehow got the courage, was lacking in confidence and belief. Or maybe one of the other boys, you know, listened to his guardian angel and said, oh, I'm going to ask Tommy. Will Tommy come for the walk as well? you know, in that, in that way. And again, it's, it's, it's to allow things to unfold. It's like, you know, just say, again, I know I had talked about, you know, a phone call. Your guardian angel is always putting thoughts into your head and positive ones. It never puts negative ones in whatsoever. And if you're thinking negatively, it would be your guardian angel that's putting the doubt in there. No. That's not true. Or or sometimes I would say giving you the guilty feeling in that in that way. Um, and it is to listen and, and to, what would I say, take a chance. You have nothing to lose. And, you know, life is precious, you know, and it's exciting to grow spiritually and to learn more and discover you, you know, yourself. Like it's like letting yourself free spiritually and discovering 
the human being that is there as well, the human being that in a sense, you know, you have chained up as well because of what the world keeps telling you, you know, that you're not to love yourself or, you know, you're not to like that group of people or you're to not show empathy or, you know, you're not to reach out a helping hand. You know, in that, that's why I would say to people, you know, even a smile, like, is, is so precious. And a smile can save someone's life. Like, I, I always remember a lady on a, on a train a long time ago. And I was sitting on the train and the angels told me, just look over in the corner. And I, I just turned and looked and gave her a smile. Um, and she was actually looking at me before I turned to look and she saw me smiling. And how can I explain this? It was like at first she didn't know what to do with that smile. She she didn't know whether to smile back or shy away. Um, and in a sense, she did shy away at first, you know, but then, you know, I went back to doing whatever I was doing on, on the train. And then I looked over again when the angels told me to. And I gave her another smile. And this time she smiled back. And I always remember her getting off the train a stop before I got off. And it was like as if, how would you say? Um, you know, you lit up her day. She seemed... Mm -hmm happier and lighter in that in that way and um, so maybe that was the prayer being answered for her the beginning of a prayer that maybe she had been praying for for so long and felt she wasn't getting any help and maybe the guardian angels of many other people were asking them to do the same but maybe they had you know a, a barrier up and been told, no, you don't smile at someone like that, you know, yeah. in that in that way. So prayers do get answered. It's just sometimes we find it hard to see and we expect them to be answered there and then. Okay, Lorna, I have two final questions for you. Okay. Uh, here's the first one. Do you have any suggestions for praying? I notice in immersing myself in your work a bit, I started feeling a little like a child asking for things as I was praying. And I was like, is this really how I want to pray? I don't know if this is how I want to pray. So I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are about that. Well, I'm going to tell you right here now that we have been praying because we've been talking about our soul and God and the angels and our guardian angel. And we've been talking about love. So we have been putting that prayer out in, into the world to touch others. And I just say to people, you know, if you can, even for one second, you know, your prayer is just a word, but you're saying it from every part of your being, you know, from your soul, every part of you in that way. And if you want to pray as you sing, you know, just say you're happy and, and you're you're singing a song, you know, but you're singing it with joy and love. That's a prayer. Meditation is a prayer. It's like, you know, one word crying, crying out for help, asking for someone else. 
asking for yourself. And I love the way you felt you were a child. I think that's absolutely, um, how would I say, a spiritual connection you are being given, you know, because we are all, even though we think we're adults, by the way, we're not, we're all children. And I love spiritually the way you had said that suddenly you felt you were a child. We are spiritually so innocent, you know, and we have so many questions. One thing that I have learned is that, you know, when you ask one question, you know, there's still a million questions to that one question. And there's still a million answers to that over and over again and again. But spiritually, it's just like acknowledging that we are not just a human being, we're a spiritual being. We have that soul and you don't die. Like you live. And I know people find that crazy or in a sense, you know, the children walking across the river without a bridge and so many other things. But all these things are possible as we grow spiritually, you know, um, because you become lighter. That's the only way. You are light. Your, your body is translucent. Everything is. Literally everything on this planet is translucent. I think that's the right word I'm, I'm using. Yes, yes, and, it is. You know, one thing that God and the angels have always taught me, and that is one big word from the time I was a little child, um, everything is beyond our comprehension. You know, no matter how many questions we, on, it's like until that happens, and then we know everything. And then it's like, you know, our eyes are open. You're not just seeing through your human human eyes, you're seeing through the eyes of your soul as well. It's like, you know, they're looking out in that in that way. And I don't even know if that's answering your question either, you know, but it's like in one sense, you know, medically I'm not meant to be here. So I have partly intertwined, not fully but partly because I'm still here. Um, and I give out to God about that because I know God is real. I know, how would I say, I can't wait. And my children would give out to me. You know, they'd say, Mom, you're not to go. And I, I would say, well, I don't mind when God takes me. I know you will all be all right. I know I mightn't be able to hug you with flesh and blood, but I'd still be able to hug you, you know, and I would always help you to feel me as well. You know, we don't, we don't die. And it's like when that intertwining comes again with the human being and the body, there is no such thing as death um, in the sense of human. But there is no such thing as death even now. But we're all connected spiritually. So it's like when one person takes their life before their time, you know, we all feel it, even though we mightn't be aware of it, but it does affect us because it's a soul that humanly was made to leave before its time. 
and the soul doesn't need to learn anything at all. It's the human being that is learning. I hope that's okay. I hope I didn't. Lorna, you know, you said it well when you said one question leads to an answer and then a million more questions and a million more answers. That's true. And I'm just going to ask you as part of this conversation, at least one more, one final question, which is that you said that the angels have shown you possibilities of the future, positive possibilities, and also calamitous, difficult possibilities for humanity. And I think a lot of us are trying to get a sense of where we are right now as a human species and its evolutionary journey and how much pressure we feel under and the sense of crisis in our time. And I wonder if briefly you could just share how you see this period of time right now that we're in as a species from what the angels have shown you. Um, another big question. <laughs> I have to smile. We're, we are in a time of change. And it is, in a sense, we have to make these choices. But it's not just in time of change of the human being. It's in time of change of growing more spiritually. It's both. You know, I I do know that we can get through all these crises. And I would say God wouldn't have me here. He would have taken me home by now. Um, so I know we can get through, through all of this. Um, but I think... You know, we we have to, I think humanly, human beings are finding it hard to accept change. But we all have the choice and we shouldn't be afraid. And we should, in a sense, allow ourselves to just open that other little bit more, even the tiniest bit more spiritually and accepting you have a soul, you know, accepting that you're not just a human being and not being fearful and afraid of positive changes. And again, we have to, you know, I'm afraid it's not just up to one person to make these changes or, or to decide these changes, because even all the leaders of the world and, and the governments, to them it's a change as well, and they're finding it hard. Which way should we go? So in a sense, we all have to help. So even spiritually and humanly, we have to take away the fear as much as possible and put the light in there and, and ask and guide our leaders and governments to make the right decisions for everyone, for the planet, for nature, and, and for mankind as well. And I know we can do it because I have seen incredible futures. So we can do it. And it's like each of us individually start within our lives. So it's like, don't be condemning all the time. You know, I, I always say, if you see someone being hurt, you know, reach out and help them. Don't be worried about what other people think of you, because that's not... That won't bring change. It's like the more people see of kindness, you know, of empathy, of love and hope, and even, you know, governments and leaders, you know, seeing that in their people, you know, 
that will help us to make the positive changes that we need to make. And I believe we can. I wouldn't be here. Like, what has God got me doing here if that's not going to happen? You know, um, like, it's incredible what God has me doing already, you know, and it's it's a miracle in the sense of how, you know, how everything has turned out right up to this moment. And, and grant you, you know, the pandemic is, is something that I was shown and I never thought I would be here for it, but I am here for it, you know, and we're getting through it. We're not fully through it, but we're getting through it, you know. And again, it may look like it was a disaster, but just put this thought into your mind. It could be a miracle in disguise as well to help us to make the right changes, to help us to be more compassionate and loving to each other and to take care of this beautiful planet that we've been given for free. You know, when you're given something for free, you're inclined to, uh, it doesn't matter if it breaks, it doesn't matter if it falls asunder. You know, um, I know we can do it. That's what I will say. I know we can do it. You're a human being, but you're a spiritual being. And you have this incredible soul. And you have a guardian angel. The one angel that never leaves you for one second. And loves you unconditionally, no matter what. And to your guardian angel, you are number one. There's no one else in the world like you. And that's true for every human being. We are all different and there is no one else in the world like you or like me or like anyone else out there. And it is in a sense to allow, your, allow that intertwining and be you. Don't be trying to be anyone else. Be you. Lorna, thank you so, so, so much. I'm so glad that I, along with the Sounds True audience, had this chance to experience you in your physical form with exactly. your voice and presence and uh, to feel your outpouring of love. Thank you so very much. And thank you so very much as well. And thank you for having me on your show. And thank you and blessings to all of your audience and may wonderful things happen for them as well. I know it will. And if you'd like to watch Insights at the Edge on video and participate in after-the-show Q&A conversations with featured presenters and have the chance to ask your questions, come join us on Sounds True One, a new membership community that features premium shows, live classes, and community events. Let's learn and grow together. Come join us at join.soundstrue.com. Sounds true. Waking up the world.